are listening to Actsiders. What is Hollywood anyway? It's just a bunch of people from other places. Stories about dreams, audacity, choices, dedication, and unconditional passion for the performing arts. I'm Ingrid, your host, and this is Actsiders. Hello, hello. Hi, guys. So happy to be back on air after being away for a little while. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, today, I am very excited to share with you the story of Riza, a musical actress from Itami, a small town in the south of Japan. Uh, it's not far from Osaka. Riza is an incredibly determined and passionate artist. Um, since she was a kid, she has always had one objective in mind, Broadway. You'll hear us talk about the highly demanding training that she received in Japan, the pros and cons of being a very specific type in this industry, but also her unwavering determination and passion for coffee. Yeah, actually, she's quite the expert on the matter. As you'll hear, she has this account on Instagram and is now writing for a Japanese publication. But time for the show now. I'll let you discover Riza's story. When I first met you, I was really struck when you told me that at 17, you decided, or even <laughs> earlier than that, 16, 16 yes. you decided to move to Canada. Yeah. Right? Because yes. you had one goal in mind, which <laughs> yeah. was Broadway. Broadway. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be a musical actor. Yes. That was your yeah. ultimate goal. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so, how did, I mean, how did that happen? It's it's a little crazy. I I think I started doing musical theater when I was like three or four, basically because I was loud and singing and dancing around the living room. So my mom was like, God, like, how can I like not have her sing around the living room all the time? So she put me into a studio where I can sing, act and dance at the same time. Like, dream come true for my mom. Yeah, yeah, so I started then. And soon after, I think at least the age seven or so, I heard about Broadway. There's this thing called Broadway. (laughs) So little Riza, I was like, okay, I want to do that. (laughs) I guess since then, that's been my goal. I've been doing musical theater since then. And uh, right around when I was getting into middle school and more adult way Mm -hmm. of thinking and realize, okay, I should be able to speak English Mm. to be on Broadway. So I decided to You're like, I need to learn English. I'm going to Canada. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wanted to go to America a little bit, but um, before, I, I I wanted to go to America straight, but the education was a little expensive there. Mm. But Canada wasn't too bad, so that's... It was between Australia and Canada, actually. I decided Canadian Performing Arts High School mm. in this, like, small town called Langley in British Columbia, uh, about, like, an hour and a half away from Vancouver, I think. And I was at their high school for three years and learning English. Wow. <laughs> so you picked up on the Canadian accent, too, right? Uh, well, apparently, when I first went to college, people were making fun of how I said sorry. 
I don't think I, I don't think I say sorry anymore. I say sorry, I guess, the American way. But sorry. sorry. But yeah, I think I said sorry. When did you move first to the US? That was for college. Mm-hmm. So 16. I can't do math. <laughs> I'm a failure as an Asian to not be able to <laughs> math really correctly. Um, so 16. So I guess 19 or 20. I must be at 19 or 20. I moved to Hartford, Connecticut uh-huh. for college to pursue BFA wow. in musical theater. So much determination for like a 16-year-old. You're like, okay, I'm just going to leave my family and learn English and go move to this foreign country. How was that on a daily basis to just be away from your family. Um, You know, it was hard in Canada, but it's, as I get older, I look back and I was like, wow, that was crazy. But at that time, it wasn't too crazy for me. It was like, I had a goal and that's where I was headed toward. And I had no questions Mm. in between. And even if I was crying every night in Canada, I didn't like really want to leave there mm. that wasn't really an option now i think about it it's crazy because it was tough because yeah. i didn't speak english which is like the main As tool well, of communication ex- exist survive <laughs> yeah and i'm i'm talkative person i love getting to know people mm. and it's for that to be completely shut off was really hard because there was just no way for me to express myself mm. and no one really knew who i was because There's just no way for them to know either because mm-hmm. I couldn't. But when I moved to Connecticut, Hartford, it was a little better because at that time I got the gist of mm-hmm. like English. Mm-hmm. So it was getting better, but still then it took a while for me to be able to completely be able to express myself without mm-hmm. feeling this language barrier. Mm-hmm. But I did give myself this like limitation when I first moved to Canada where like, I shouldn't be speaking in Japanese, I shouldn't be talking, and like, I shouldn't be watching, or just like weird limitation to just learn English faster. Well, talk about self-discipline. <laughs> well, I that didn't really help, I think. Well, it did help in terms of learning English, but in terms of mental health, I don't think it helped. <laughs> I had this weird rash on my back and I had just, you know, it just wasn't mentally healthy. Mm. But Mm. then... Because you were cutting yourself off. Yeah, and but then that was... Japanese was the only way to express myself and that's the only tool, language tool I had. Mm. So to cut that off was a little hard. And I think I... I would email my mom, no texting at that point, because there's no iPhone. Uh, I would email my mom once in a while and maybe talk to her once a week or something. But then at that time, you had to like schedule time differences and everything. So it wasn't like pick up your phone and you can call your mom anytime. Mm. And also not talking to any of the friends Um, at school if they were Japanese or something I just like decided this like weird thing and I still had to get straight A's at school even though like, <laughs> I'm just starting to learn English so like most of the time it didn't make sense but I would spend weekend 
the, the entire weekend reading maybe 10 pages of history textbook, trying to read 10 pages because I didn't know any of the words on there. But then I was like, but I have to get straight A's. That was crazy. That was crazy, yeah. <laughs> where, where did that come from? Maybe my studio back in Japan, mm. they were pretty strict. Yeah, they were because my mom's pretty really laid back. She's like the chillest person ever. But the studio back in Japan was really strict. And nothing that you would see in America. Mm. It's almost like military. <laughs> like, mm. forgetting notes. You're allowed to sit only... You're not allowed to cross your legs or anything. You can only like sit, sit up. So with, with folded knees, like knees against your chest. Yeah, knees against and my chest and like your back straight up. <laughs> um, but not allowed to sit anything else other than that. You're not allowed to slouch. You're not allowed oh to uh, lean against the mirror, I guess. If you're watching your, co- not colleagues, I guess, your friends' rehearsals. Um, and you're only allowed to say pretty much yes and nothing else you unless it's like a problematic thing you're not allowed to really speak back to any of the teachers it's it's it was pretty strict but then it made me learn discipline and those years back in japan those skills that i got from that studio is big that was my base Mm -hmm. So it was so it was a studio for performing arts uh, mainly for musical theater. Okay. Yeah. So, so I took so musical in English or in Japanese. In Japanese. Okay. So I took a lot of dance classes. Modern or ballet. Or? Everything, yeah. um, tap, ballet, jazz, theater, dance, and yeah, not every teachers were crazy. There there were a lot of great teachers that I still keep in touch with. Mm. And they were wonderful. And I made so many great friends that I still keep in touch and that we like still do musical theater. But there was just one lady that was really scary. (laughs) (laughs) For instance, I decided I was going to leave Japan. I knew I was going to leave Japan to pursue musical theater in America to be on Broadway. That was a known fact for me, at least. But I think people around me knew that, too. And I finally said, it's very formal. I go into the office with my mom and the teacher, the lady. And it was um, husband and wife. So the husband went into and I told them, like, I will be leaving this studio to pursue musical theater abroad. And things that they said were pretty horrible. They were like, you know, how dare you, you leave the studio, like, just because you're studying abroad doesn't mean you're gonna get better, and, and I think my brain shut off for, for, like, a while, that's, and also that's, like, a 15-year-old middle school girl deciding pretty, like, big life decisions, and I mostly dedicated my life at that point to the studio, Mm pursuing musical theater and all I wanted was this approval from them to feel validated and feel better but most of the time I was told that I wasn't good enough I was too fat I was too you know all the other girls were better I would be taken out of dance numbers what? yeah that things happened before 
But yeah, I was like, you know what? But, but this is great. I know that I have to work harder now, so this is great. But then at the end, when I <clears throat> told her I was leaving, I got that, and I was like, okay, okay, I'm gonna just leave now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your support. Uh, yeah, thank you for your support. But I do feel I'm thankful for them in some way because it gave me yeah. this discipline that I have now, and, and this I this hunger. Yeah. But I, <laughs> that was tough then. That's okay. I I hope one day I can go back to that studio and say like thanks for everything. <laughs> thanks for everything you've done because you know they did a lot for me. Just a little in a tough way. <laughs> Which roles are you usually cast in? I have a feeling it might be more comedic roles than dramatic. Am I right? I love doing comedy or silly shows. It's I think I live. I love living in that world. Like when I did Spamalot. <laughs> okay, can you tell people what Spamalot is? Monty Python's Holy Grail、yeah. is the title of the movie, I think,、mm-hmm. and that made it into a musical.、Mm-hmm. And it's basically an entire show of. Just making fun of musicals, pretty much, and it's the silliest show. And I did it at <laughs> this theater called Music Theater of Wichita in Wichita, Kansas. Okay, and it was the best experience of my life. It's so silly, and yeah. So comedy is definitely my type, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.、Uh, What but, was your role in Spamalot? Um, I was in the ensemble. Okay. But I had a little feature as a minstrel. I did Les Mis too. Oh, you did Ooh, at this summer. This summer, what was it? So you chorus as well? Or... Yeah, yeah. Chorus. So I was just one of the girls. I did Les Mis. I did King and I, which is a little more, you know, serious、yeah. than Spamalot. <laughs> yes, but that. Yeah, but now you mentioned that I do a lot of comedy shows. Right, right. I did How to Succeed、mm-hmm. too. And that was a comedy show too. Wow, good point. Now I know my type. <laughs> I guess you need to know what you、yeah. can sell、right. best. Yes. Right. And yeah,、so. here it is. What has been the most challenging thing for you being、okay. in this industry? Because I am a specific type, a small Asian dancer. The type is very narrow compared to. A five-six foot blonde girl,、mm. and I think it's good and bad because you know you don't you want what you don't have. So I'm sure someone that is that <clears throat> would want something specific like me. But I found it challenging because audition after audition, I would get cut after the first round. Because they know that's not the type they are looking for,、mm. and they will cut me right off. But then, it would be a life if I said that doesn't hurt me because it's still a rejection after hundreds of rejection because I'm a short Asian dancer. I would be like, am I? What am I doing wrong? And sometimes it just has nothing to do with talent. It doesn't mean that I can't dance well. Or sing well, or act well. It's because I am a short Asian dancer who just wasn't the type that they were looking for.、Mm. And I thought maybe 
I think that might be the challenge in this industry particularly. Mm. Uh, but when it's right, it's right. And just to wait for that moment was hard. <laughs> and How did you s- stick on track? How did you... Uh, well, my agents are amazing and they are my rock. So whenever I felt that way, I would call up my agents and I'd say, I need to grab a coffee with you <laughs> and let's talk. And they're always there for me. And well, that's the first time I'm hearing such thing about agents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love my agents and, you know, they... I remember crying to them this year earlier and saying like what am I doing wrong what why am I not getting through even first cuts why am I not even getting appointments why is this so hard for me to be seen even Mm. or get in front of them and my agents were like I can't tell you anything else but to wait and and persevere yeah be patient because and I was like you can't there's gotta be something else I can do like I can I I'm taking classes I'm staying in shape I'm taking voice lessons I'm I feel like I am doing everything I can and he was like yes you are so you have to it's it's hard for me to just say to be patient too Mm -hmm. because you are ready for big things and it's just it's a matter of time and timing but (laughs) but what well what can i do and but you know they make me feel better and we're like okay let's you know they're very supportive of me and my career and at least i had them i was able to just keep going Mm. and also my friends and I just have, like, great people around me. And it it was hard at those times, but I was able to just kind of keep going. Oh, there was something uh, I really loved. The, we, we talked about last, uh, last time, you and I, about uh, one of your favorite hobbies, <laughs> which is coffee. Coffee! <laughs> Yes. Can you tell me obsessed. more about that? Yeah, I mean, everybody's obsessed with coffee. So I'm not Well, for for my part, I'm allergic. <laughs> I can't. So have sad for coffee. you. I'm so sad for you. I'm obsessed with coffee and my dad is from Brazil. Okay. My parents are divorced a long time ago, but my dad's ethnicity is Brazilian. So He's a Japanese Brazilian. He's from Brazil. So wait, so he was born in Brazil. Yeah. From Brazilian parents. From Japanese parents. Does that make sense? Who immigrated to, to Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. Okay. So he was born in Brazil, grew up in Brazil, so he is Brazilian. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with coffee around me. It's like in my bloodstream now, and I still love coffee. And Last year, I started my own Instagram dedicated to just coffee called Coffee NYC Riza. <laughs> I'll put the link below. <laughs> I kind of laugh about it. And you have a lot of followers. I do. I have 
7,000 something followers, which is it's pretty amazing. Great. Yeah. I've, I've been lazy these days and I haven't been getting more followers, but so I have to get a backup. But what I love about coffee is that like the baristas that works at coffee shops are very passionate about what they do. And it's really interesting to hear about their stories. And in fact, I'm lucky enough to be like writing, writing um, articles about these baristas and the cafes for this Japanese company. And they let me write about pretty much anything about New York City's cafe. And I, I write up once in two months and interview a cafe and about their folk, what their focus on coffee and feature one person from a cafe and talk about their lives and how they became a barista or how they became to be where they are right now. And it's really interesting. The stories behind those bars mm. are different. Who was the most interesting character that you've encountered? Oh, God. Behind um, the bar. Oh, God, so many. I just interviewed these couple, actually, that owns a cafe, and they're from Venezuela. And one is an opera singer, and the wife is a dentist. <laughs> is that crazy? Yeah. And they are they loved coffee so much, but they didn't have any coffee shops around them when they first moved to the city. So they're like, let's let's make our own. And they decided to do it on their own. So they quit their jobs? No, just... they are doing their job too. Wow. Well, actually, they were a dentist and opera singer back in Venezuela. Okay. And they came here and the husband is studying, was going to college to study music. And the wife is trying to get the license, I think, to practice. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. right now. Like, they started up this cafe while he was in school. Mm. So I'm just like, how do you do that? Like, school is really tough. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah. It was masters for him. And they're still working, too. He, like, still does, like, sing around in the city, too. That's so fascinating. And uh, the cafe is called The Monkey Cup. And it's up in the Hamilton Heights. And it's this, like, tiny little coffee shop. The quality of their coffee is amazing. Mm. They use Irving Farm coffee beans, which is really good coffee. Uh, they're really friendly for artists, price-wise, because the coffee can get really expensive. Mm. And this place What's is... What's a regular coffee cost there? Um, the drip coffee is $1.50, which is... You can't get it anywhere. No. Because every, like, if you go to Midtown, the drip coffee is like 270, you know, like mm. 275. <laughs> and if you were trying to get a latte, that's like what? That could be like four or five dollars. And like, if you're trying to get a pour over, but because you have to make one by one, the price can be really high. I see. Like, five dollars for a cup is normal. Mm. And usually uses like better beans and everything. It costs more, but the monkey cup does it like like a three dollars or less. And I was like, You are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I get to do that as my like hobby, which is amazing. What's your take on latte art? 
Oh, I love Latte yeah. Art. Because yeah. it's a big thing, right? It is a it, big thing. And, like, there are competitions and everything. I sometimes, like... Oh, my gosh. That's my, like, guilty pleasure to be, like, watching, like, the Latte Art make on Instagram. Or, like, some of them... Like the, because it has to be the right temperature. Can you explain the specificity? Of yeah. It? So the latte art, you can't. It's not easy to do. If you have a great latte art, it automatically means the latte is amazing. Because to draw that on a cup of latte, the espresso has to be extracted just right. The amount of water pressure. The amount of coffee grinds that has to be in there the temperature of the room has to be right too wow. like everything or humidity everything matters mm-hmm. to extract the perfect espresso and then to steam the milk is another thing it has to be the right temperature and it has to froth right mm-hmm. otherwise you can't draw the latte art oh, as well as other people who did it better than you okay okay yeah does the frothing if it you froth it too much and if you have too much of a foam mm-hmm. then it's not a latte it's an it's a cappuccino yeah because okay. you have too much foam in them <sighs> or if not if you don't froth it too too well it's not a latte it's gonna be like flat white yeah which is less foam <laughs> yes so there's so much so many things that goes into it i didn't even know about this last year around like 2016 but then i decided that i was gonna start up this instagram and all of a sudden i was like i want to know more about coffee because i drank them Mm. and that was about it at that time i know i love it but i didn't like study or i didn't look into it too much what's the best coffee spot in new york Do you have a top three? I do love, well, the Monkey Cup. I have to say they're they're amazing. My next choice would be Bluestone Lane. Mm-hmm. It's, Heard really good thing about this. Yeah, it's an Australian mm-hmm. coffee place that serves really great food too. Uh, that's when I feel like I can treat myself. <laughs> They roast their own beans. I see. Because beans are all from, like, Ethiopia or Brazil, like, all these, like, tropical com- countries. Okay. They're the only ones who can make them. We can't make... We can't grow them here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we get the beans from there and roast it mm-hmm. on their own. And there's this place called Devotion uh-huh. in Brooklyn. Uh, and they only use Colombian beans. Okay. So they only import beans from Colombia And they roast it there. Okay. And their aesthetic of their cafe is beautiful, too. Mm. So I love it there. We are entering the open mic session uh, segment of Actsiders. And I think you have a song that you want to play. It's called To Become Wind. And it's a Japanese song that is a theme song of this movie called The Cat Returns. And do you know Miyazaki movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of the Miyazaki movies. Oh, wonderful! Okay, yeah, okay. the Cat Returns. It's not as I've well. I've never known. seen it. Yeah. It's not well known as like Spirited Away or House Movie Castle or Totoro. I, I should, I should watch it. It's it's really cute. And so this song is the theme song. Okay. Of that movie, I've been singing this song since middle school. One of the 
first song that I learned on the ukulele. And even in college, I sang it with my, like, best friend. Mm. And I've done a duet with other <laughs> best friends. So this song is the song that comes back to my life once in a while. Just like a cute little song. This is a Japanese song, but I have an English translation that I found online as well. I'll do a mix of Japanese and English. Let's hear it. Okay. Thank you so much, Riza. That was really, really wonderful. Thank you. I loved it. it it's, it's, oh yeah, the, the Japanese. Uh, it's such a beautiful little text and song. Thank you. It's really lovely. For, for listening to the song. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. So we're coming to the end of uh, this new episode. Thank you so much for being uh, here and uh, telling a little bit of your story. And uh, Thank you for having me. And you keep us uh, in the loop. Thank you again, Riza. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. That was Actsiders with Riza. And this is your host, Ingrid. I'll see you in two weeks from now. Have a great week. Bye. <laughs>